come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Welcome to PreachingChrist.org, the preaching ministry of Father Patrick Malone, Vicar of Holy Cross Anglican Church in Milwaukee. If you have any questions about the Bible or the Christian life, contact us at Patrick at PreachingChrist.org. You may turn to the back of your uh, weekly propers, if you'd like, or to your Bibles. We are using this epiphany time to hopefully finish up the epistle to the Ephesians. It's part of our uh, reformational heritage to walk expositionally through books of the Bible. Uh, One of the things that was restored during the time of the Reformation was a careful biblical preaching. Uh, Not that other traditions don't revere the scripture, but it was a hallmark of the Reformation that Preaching uh, carefully through books of the Bible uh, was restored. Let me read for you from Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place. Instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this. That everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Two key thoughts here that Paul has for us. Number one, be imitators of God. And how do we imitate God? We walk in love. What does it mean to walk in love? We love as Christ loved us. So forgiveness and sacrifice and putting others first is at the core of what it means to be a Christian. We look to Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith, And he teaches us that love is demonstrated through sacrifice. And that to love is to be an imitator of God. To do what is best for the other person. But that's not all that it means to be an imitator of God. Paul then goes on in verse 3 through 5. And tells us the negative side. The positive 
is to be a lover, to walk in love. And to walk in love is to love like Christ. But then he moves on to what we could say are counterfeits of love. And here in verses 3, 4, and 5, we see three sins, two commandments, and a consequence. Three sins, two commandments, and a consequence. The three sins are these. Do not, but sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you. Sexual impurity, or I'm sorry, sexual immorality, impurity, and covetousness. They're not to be a whiff. They're not to be a rumor. They're not to be even named among you. And I believe it was Justin Martyr, one of the early church fathers in the second generation after the apostles, when he was defending the Christian faith, he would point to the Christians and say, look how sexually pure they are. How they loved their spouses. How they held uh, sex for marriage. How men loved women and women loved men and they honored holy matrimony. Unfortunately, if you were to defend the faith today, you could not use the sexual purity of Christians as a solid defense. Because sexual immorality is named among us. In fact, sexual immorality is so named among us that many in the Christian community have begun to bless that which the Scripture calls sin. Here the word sexual immorality is where we get the word pornography from. It's the word pornea. It's any kind of sex outside the marriage union of a man and a woman. Any type of sexual activity. So, uh, sexting, self-gratification, premarital sex, friends with benefits, prostitution, pornography, any type of sexual activity that is outside the sex between a man and a woman who are married. The Apostle Paul says, I don't want this to be named among you. And what he's saying is, the characteristics of a Christian should be self-sacrificial love. The characteristic of sexual immorality is seeking self-gratification. No guy says to his girlfriend, you know, I want you to be just like Jesus, and so in order to accomplish that, let's have sex tonight. It's the job of the husband to present his wife as pure and holy before the Lord. 
No woman says, you know, I want you to be a godly man. And so therefore, let's have sex, even though we're not married. Let's have that tonight. But unfortunately, the divorce rate, the statistics for sex before marriage are no different in the church as they are in the world. We talk a lot, but we do not back up our talk with actions. And the Apostle Paul told the Ephesians, and he's telling us, that we need to be committed to sex only within the marital bonds. No sex before marriage, and no sex outside of marriage. And we'll get to the reason of that. The second word he uses is impurity. But sexual immorality and all impurity must not be named among you. The idea of impurity is a word that was used for ritual cleanliness that someone would, would uh, want to be uh, ritually acceptable at the nearby temple. And that certain activities would cause you to be ritually unclean, touching a dead body. Um, going th- for a woman going through her menstrual cycle. Uh, sexual immorality itself. Being committed to other gods. And so what Paul says here. I want you to be ritually acceptable so that when you come to the table of the Lord, when you come to the footstool of God, you can become acceptable. Well, how does one become acceptable? We, come, we become acceptable to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And our faith in Jesus Christ leads us to live holy lives, lives consistent with his life, lives consistent with our baptism, lives consistent with the table, lives consistent with this book. And so we don't want to lead lives that habitually disqualify us to come into God's throne room. Thirdly, I don't want sexual immorality or impurity or covetousness to be named among you. Notice what he says about covetousness in uh, verse 5. Covetousness, that is an idolater. Paul uses that same idea in the book of Colossians, the the epistle to the Colossians. Covetousness, which is idolatry. How is covetousness? I mean, our whole economy is based on covetousness. Comparing yourselves to other people and the constant keeping up with the Joneses. Covetousness, or the opposite of covetousness, can be found in verse 4. Let there be no filthy uh, talk, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which is out of place, but instead... Let there be thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the antidote for all of these sins. 
Thanksgiving is the antidote for sexual immorality, for impurity, and for covetousness. Thanksgiving is the sense of contentment in the station of life that you're in right now. I'm married. I'm a priest. I'm a hospice chaplain. And so my eyes are not going to wander towards other women. My, my uh, sense of uh, belo- having belongings is not going to be disturbed as I look at other people and what they have and be unsatisfied and unthankful for what God has given me. Sexual immorality is basically saying there's pleasure out there that doesn't belong to me, but I want it. I'm not thankful for the situation that God has placed me in. I'm not happy with my husband. I'm not happy with my wife. I'm not happy with being single. And God is robbing me from happiness. And I'm not thankful for that. And so I'm going to, just like Adam and Eve, I'm going to go out and make decisions on my own that are contrary to God's word, and I'm going to find satisfaction somewhere else. That's why covetousness is idolatry. We take God off the throne, and we put our own passions and desires on the throne, and we're no longer thankful for the luxurious, beautiful garden that we live in. You know, I, I despise complaining, but I'm uh, the biggest complainer in this room. My back hurts. Look at what, look at what happens to me. And I sit back and I think, you are the biggest hypocrite, Malone. You live in the United States of America. You have a wife who's devoted to you. You have three kids who don't argue about going to church. You've got a job. You have people that care about you. And the reason your back hurts is you've been eating too much. You have an abundance of food always around you. You need to be thankful. But complaining is the root of covetousness, and covetousness leads to sexual immorality, and it leads to impurity, and it is idolatry. Those are the three sins. The two commandments are don't let this be named among you and be thankful. Don't let this be named among you and be thankful. Are you like Israel, like your priest, a complainer, or are you thankful for the situation that you find yourself in, the family that you have, the spouse you have, uh, the situation that God has placed you in? Are you thankful for that? Because right now, uh, almost on a daily basis, I read of Christians being uh, point-blank murdered in northern Nigeria. 
Persecution is ramping up in China. People are losing jobs for their faith in Europe. And we're all here sitting fat and happy. Are you thankful? Paul says to the Thessalonians, Be thankful in everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Even if we have a difficult, miserable life here on earth, we have an eternity of eternal joy waiting for us. And our Savior has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What happens to those Christians, so-called Christians, who live lives of sexual immorality, who don't care about impurity, who live lives of covetousness? The Apostle Paul says this chilling consequence, the end of verse 5. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to baptized people. He's talking to people that go to worship. He's talking to people that hear sermons. He's talking to people that gather around the table. He said, no one will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God who does these things. He uses this phrase also in the book of Romans and in 1 Corinthians. The so-called Christians who live lives of sexual immorality, impurity, and covetous have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. One of the offertory sentences is, uh, there will be on that day those who say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus looks at them and says, what's your name? I don't know you. And the person says, I've done great things in your I, I raised a million dollars for St. So-and-so Church. I marched for cancer. I gave money for multiple sclerosis. I did that. I did this. And Jesus looks and says, I don't know you. Depart from me into outer darkness. That is a chilling, chilling thought. The gospel, our baptism and faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ should have immediate and life-altering changes in our character, in our actions, in our thoughts, and in the words that come out of our mouths. Once again. Let us be imitators of God as beloved children, walking in love as Christ has loved us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.